you can tell I wasn't raised in a creedal church, uh, a church that memorized creeds because I had to look it up uh, to get it right. But I love this. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. And on the third day he rose again and he ascended into heaven. And he is seated at the right hand of the Father and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I, I, I love that song, telling the gospel in such a simple way. Uh, how many of you heard that song when you were growing up a little differently? Yeah? I love when they combine uh, such depth and rich message with modern versions, and so it's really good. I appreciate Kent leading that. Kent did tell you and, and, uh, that I have a toothache, and he said in the early service I had to go out and get my water, but I don't know if he said it in this service or not, that I wouldn't complain. My, I, I didn't bring my wife here today because I thought he might say that. <laughs> Men, how many of y'all are bad with pain in front of your wife? Okay, you know, in public we're tough, we've got it together, nobody ever knows, but when your wife's around, she's like, would you shut up? <laughs> I had a kid, and you're complaining about a toothache, you know? <laughs> yeah, I understand. Uh, let, let me give you a little history real quickly. Uh, about four years ago now, I went to the dentist, I was having some pain, I had a cavity in one of my wisdom teeth. Imagine this. They said my mouth was big enough for my wisdom teeth to remain in there. Uh, but anyhow, I had pain in one of my wisdom teeth. And uh, he, he said, look, I've got good news, bad news. Good news is I can put a filling in here right now. It'll be temporary. It will ease your pain. Bad news is you've got a cracked root, and eventually you're going to have lots of pain. He said, I'm going to take care of this right now temporarily if you make a promise that you'll go get this taken care of. And he didn't extract wisdom teeth, so he sent me to an oral surgeon and whatnot. I found out what it was going to cost, and I decided that I felt good. <laughs> well, we moved to Lexington, and to be honest, I didn't go back to him. It had been a couple years because I was always embarrassed if I didn't. If I went to him and he was going to ask, have you got this taken care of yet? And I hadn't. And so I thought, well, you know, my toothbrush and dental floss will be enough. I don't need another cleansing or anything like that. And so I didn't go back. We moved to Lexington. I'm starting to have a little pain, but I don't have a dentist. And my life's busy. I have a new job, lots of work with a new job. So, I mean, it's been like now almost four years since I saw him. And about a month ago, it was time. It was time. I was starting to feel some pain. So I was scheduled an appointment with the dentist. Took me a while to be able to get in. Finally got into the dentist. He said, man, you've got like three messes in here. you got this one and a couple others. And I'm like, oh, no. But then I had annual meeting for the Kentucky Baptist Convention, preaching at Burlington. I had other meetings that I've had to take care of. I'm like, when am I going to be able to get my tooth pulled? And so I finally determined that Wednesday the 11th of November, I would be able to get it done, which was going to be fine. Because at that time, I wasn't dying. Well, you know what happens between that appointment right now. Oh, my goodness. Severe pain. And I want to be, I, I be full disclosure. I said, what was the reason I said I didn't get my tooth done the last time? That's half truth. I hate going to the dentist. I'm telling you, yeah. When I go to the dentist... I, I will lay there and act like I've got it all together, but my legs, to any of you, the rest of y'all, your legs get like tense and your muscles tense up and you're laying there and they start the drill and you feel the sweat dripping off your back and they, there's way too much spit, uh, uh, spit and not enough wrench, you know? I mean, it's just this, 
<laughs> I hate it. I hate going to the dentist. But here's what I found. When the pain gets bad enough, you do whatever it takes. You know, you just got to deal with it. Well, we're, we're, we're like this. We let things go in our life until we can't deal with the problems that they cause. Spiritually, it's just the way we do things. There are things that come into our life that cause us some pain, but dealing with those things sometimes seems like going to the dentist. And, and so we're uh, afraid to, to go, and uh, uh, we ignore them. You know what the problem is? The problem is they sometimes will cause us more pain than we ever bargained for. For the next three weeks, I'm going to be doing a series entitled Uprooted. Kind of ironic that I planned this way before. We're gonna, I, I was going to talk about pulling the weeds that choke out the joy in your life, but now we've got a full new meaning to this. But we're going to talk about things like worry and greed. But today we're going to start off talking about the root of bitterness. You know, the, the Bible talks about how bitterness can get into our life and it can become like a root that chokes out the life of the rest of our spiritual uh, vitality. And so, so today we're going to talk about how you fix, how you pull up the root of bitterness. Now, I'm not going to teach you something y'all don't know today, or at least not the big picture. How do you fix bitterness according to the Bible? What do you have to do? Forgive? You have to forgive. You pray and you forgive. How do you fix bitterness? You, you forgive. Well, today we're going to talk about what does the Bible say about forgiveness, but let's be honest before we get there. There is absolutely nothing more unnatural than forgive, forgiveness. If somebody punches you, every part of you wants to punch them back. If somebody makes fun of you, you know, you want to say something back. I, I, I'll be honest, the other day I was at the office and we were sitting around talking and imagine somebody made fun of me. Well, they made fun of me and I sat there and then other people joined in and I sat there and guess what I did? Nothing. You know why I didn't say anything back? I couldn't think of anything to say. It wasn't because I was holy. I wanted to say something. I just had nothing at the moment. I think every one of us here has this instinct to get back at people who hurt us. But the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible. Now this is one of my favorite verses in counseling. Because when two people are sitting in your office, you've got to read this. If possible, do everything you can to live at peace with all. You know, sometimes it's beyond us, isn't it? I mean, sometimes situations come, we can give and give and give and give and give and give and it doesn't fix it. But if possible, you do all you can to live at peace with all people. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Guys, it's the call of every Christian to practice forgiveness when somebody wrongs us. Now, I know one of the hard things when we talk about forgiveness is there is a vast difference between the level of pain that we experience. You know, it's one thing to forgive somebody who takes your parking space at Walmart. It's another thing to forgive somebody who's been unfaithful to you. You know, and we can almost figure out how do you let go when somebody, you know, uh, cuts you off in traffic. How do you let go when somebody's just rude and has a bad day or something like that? We kind of have that figured out. But where do people who have had that unfaithful spouse or had 
a coworker who's lied to them or have had someone who has betrayed their confidence? Where do they find the strength to forgive? And to be honest, I'd say all of those things are child's play compared to forgiving somebody who's hurt my kids. You know, you hurt me, I'll maybe forgive you. You hurt my kids, I'm going to take you out, right? I mean, that's the way we feel. And yet, here's where it gets tricky. Forgiveness is a non-negotiable for a Christian. We don't get to say that, you know, I, I, I might forgive this, but I won't forgive that. It is absolutely a non-negotiable. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Praise the Lord. That's good. But the next verse is the tough one. But if you don't forgive people who sin against you, other people who trespass against you, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, that's a huge, huge deal. I want to be forgiven. I want to stand before the Lord. And he says, if you don't have this spirit of forgiveness in you, are you really forgiven? That's kind of a heavy deal. You know, if you don't forgive those who sin against you, God keeps record of that. Guys, forgiveness is not an elective course in Christianity. It's mandatory. If the Holy Spirit lives within you, He evidences it not by how many times you show up to church, not by how much you put in an offering plate, not by how well you sing on stage or how well you preach from the platform. He evidences His presence in your life by how you forgive. Love and forgiveness are forever intertwined. Those who love, forgive. Jesus said, if you don't forgive, how can you expect to be forgiven? Now, we might want to sugarcoat that and baptize that, baptize that make it fit our mindset, but I suggest a better way. What if we just read it and say, Oh, Lord, would you help me to forgive like I've been forgiven? So let's bring this to our own life as we start into the text today. How well do you do with forgiveness? Are you good at it? I'll be honest, I preach a lot of sermons that I'm terrible at. I'm oh, yeah, guilty, guilty, guilty. And I stand up here before you as one leading the charge with, man, I'm really bad at this, but this, I, I'll be honest, forgiveness is one of those things that I've not struggled as much with in my life. But I know some of you struggle a lot with it. Letting go when somebody wrongs you. How well are you able to, to respond to someone who's wounded you? Are you able to forgive? I was talking to a lady who, by the way, is not a part of Burlington, so don't let your mind run who this might be. I was talking to a lady this week who uh, is going through a messy, messy divorce, and she said, you know, I can't look at him. I don't want to talk to him. I can't stand the thought of him. And so in light of what I was preaching on this week, I thought I would ask. I said, well, have you forgiven him? Oh, yeah, I've done that. Really? That sounds like it. You know, <laughs> part of the problem of preaching on forgiveness is that people think that forgiveness is simply saying words. You know, if I just say you're forgiven, then that's what it means. But, you know, I, I, I'm not sure that's the case. 
And people are also confused on what forgiveness looks like. Okay, so some people think, well, if, that, if you forgive somebody, then, you know, they can continue to do anything they want. They can keep hurting you. How many times you forgive? Well, you know, I mean, that's, you know, is that what forgiveness is? I mean, really, do you think forgiveness in an abusive household is for the, a person being abused to stay there and take it? I don't think that's what Jesus meant. Or, I, or let's say your teenager comes in, they're late for curfew, and they've been late night after night after night, and they come in, and you, you get on them, and you've got your speech prepared, and you're going to lay into them, and you're going to take the keys, and you're about to really let them have it, and they say, 70 times 7, Mom. you got to forgive, 70 times 7. You're right. Yeah, you can go tomorrow night. You know, of course that's not what forgiveness means, but we blurred the line so much in forgiveness that we have no idea what Jesus is talking about when he says, forgive other people as you have been forgiven. Um, guys, I'm going to skip the next slide. and Let's start talking about what forgiveness does not mean. Uh, forgiveness does not mean that you enable people to sin. There's a difference between forgiving someone and enabling someone. Forgiveness is divine. Enabling is of the devil. You continue to allow a person to be trapped in their sin when the Lord wants to liberate them from that. Big difference between those things. There's also a difference between forgiving and forgetting. You know, sometimes people uh, think that when we forgive, that there's this magical erasure from memory. Guys, if somebody cheats on you or hurts you or puts you down, you might always remember this. And let me let you in on a little secret. God doesn't forget the fact that you have sinned. See, some people said, oh, wait a minute, the Bible says that he takes our sin, he buries them in the sea, and he remembers them no more. Amen. But does that mean that God of the universe, who is the Alpha and Omega, who sees all time as if it is present, does it mean that that God who is sovereign over all things doesn't know that you sinned last week? What's he playing, some kind of spiritual gymnastics up there? And it's, Of course he knows. You've been covered in the blood of Jesus. That's why we put our faith in Christ, that when he looks at us, he's not just looking at us, but we stand justified before God, not because he forgot, but because Jesus pleads our case. We have an advocate, the Bible says, before the Father. So forgiveness is not God just forgetting and it's not you forgetting. Andy Stanley said in his book, Louder Than Words, In fact, true forgiveness is more about remembering than forgetting. It involves facing the past, not suppressing it. Uh, another thing forgiveness doesn't mean is when, when you forgive, it doesn't mean you're immediately healed. Things are all better. I've forgiven. It's good. Well, that might not be how it works. Forgiveness also doesn't mean that you trust the person that hurts you. You know, that you're now all of a sudden buddy buddies and everything's perfect and I trust them and I've, you know, that's, that's, there's a difference between forgiving and trusting. And guys, we just got to get that through our mind. Forgiveness can start in an instant. Trust takes time to build. When we forgive a person... What we're doing is we're making a commitment. A commitment to never use that wrong against that person again. That's what forgiveness means. We're not going to let that be an excuse for our bad behavior. We're not going to let that be a weapon for us to bring up anytime we're losing an argument. 
you know, I, a lot of people say, well, I forgave them of that, but wait until six months when something bad happens. Let's see if you've really forgiven. Or does it come back up? Forgiveness is this commitment to never use these things in this way again. It, uh, we can't use people's wrongs as a trump card when the stakes are bigger if we have really forgiven. Forgiveness says, I've buried that in the sea, and I'm going to remember it no more. I know it's there, and you know it's there, but God has put up a no-fishing sign, and we're not going back there. That's forgiveness. Maybe to put it simpler, forgiveness is a commitment to, to love other people like God loves us. That's forgiveness. And what do you think Jesus' forgiveness looked like? You know, he forgave to his face, but then talked about you behind your back. Or, you know, he, he says, I forgive you, but he's going to hold on to it for his advantage later on. Or he says, you know, you hurt me bad, and I just can't deal with you. Of course, this was not how Jesus forgave. Let's look at the best example of forgiveness in the Scripture. If you have your Bibles with you, open it up. Check me out. Luke, Luke 23. Our faith hinges upon Jesus died according to the Scriptures. He was buried according to the Scriptures, and He rose on the third day according to the Scriptures. At the most pivotal moment in our faith, when Jesus is being led away to be crucified, the Bible says that two men were with Him. They were criminals, and they were led away to be put to death with Him. And then in verse 33, He says, And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified Him. And the criminals... One was on his right, the other on his left. And then listen to verse 34. And Jesus, while hanging on the cross, says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Now, guys, we all have pictures in our mind of how something goes down in the Scripture. When you read it, that's how you read. You create a picture in your mind. And I picture Jesus hanging on the cross, and he sees the soldiers who nailed him there, and he whispers, Father, forgive them. And then he hears the mocking of the thief beside him. And he says, Father, forgive them. And he sees the crowd of people who had been waving palm branches just days before. And he says, Father, forgive them. And he sees the religious leaders who had put Pilate up to this, this heinous uh, crime. And, and he sees them with their condemnation and their scowls. And even to them, he says, Father, forgive them. Now, I know the scripture only says he said this once. And he probably did only say it once. But did you know, in the Greek, the verb tense used there is he said, Father, keep on forgiving them. Keep on forgiving them. You see, Jesus' uh, forgiveness was a continual forgiveness. He, he didn't just forgive you, pick you up, and dust you off and say, Whew, good luck. Hope you do well, because I've forgiven you. We're done. He, he continues to forgive us. Some events may happen in your life, and the enemy will use it for a long time to try to harm you. Listen, your forgiveness might have to be continual. Well, you, you might have to forgive daily. The same thing often over and over and over again. Many times this forgiveness will require more than one moment. You may have to forgive that spouse almost daily if they were unfaithful. 
Now you say, well, I thought you said you don't bring it up all the time. You're not bringing it up, but you're dealing with it. Oh, God, help me to wake up this morning and to love them. I still hurt, but God, help me not to use that hurt. You may have to dig deep several times to forgive that employer who didn't fulfill his promises. He said, hey, your pension is this, and all of a sudden, when you're getting close to retirement, they change the rules. And your life didn't turn out the way you thought it was going to turn out. When you, in, you can let that bitterness be a root in your life that throbs and causes pain and steals your joy and robs that. Or you can wake up and say, dear God, help me today to just love you and be grateful for what you've done for me. Help me not to be bitter. You may struggle to forgive that parent who was abusive or that child who rebelled. And honestly, the time you deal... with daily forgiving is usually connected to how severe the pain was. Let's just be honest. Something that you're dealing with for a long time, you're probably not going to wake up one morning or go to church one Sunday and just, whoo, it's gone. You're asking for forgiveness and God starts doing a work in your heart. Jesus said something like this, if any man wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Y'all heard that somewhere before? If anyone wants to come after me, he's going to have to deny his feeling that he is right to get even. And that he can handle things on his own. And he's going to have to take up the cross. And as I, on the cross, offered forgiveness to those around, that person who loves me and wants to follow me will have to offer that type of forgiveness. And they're just going to have to follow my lead in this. And trust me. It's amazing how the cross... This is free, okay? It's amazing how the cross... how. We have a tendency to think that's what you get saved by. And we leave it behind when we're 12 or when we're 24 or when we're 36. Let me tell you, the cross is how you live. You look at what happened on the cross, and that'll teach you how to love your wife. Didn't Jesus say, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church? What's the next phrase say? So much that he gave his life. Yeah. That... We forgive other people. How do we forgive them? Just as Christ forgave. Even on the cross, he forgave. The cross teaches us how to live sacrificially. The cross teaches us how to care for one another. The cross will teach us how we are to even, even run our daily lives. But we think we can leave it behind. And Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you've got to deny yourself and you've got to look to that moment in time where God did the most paradoxical thing and he broke all the rules. If you're going to save your life, you've got to give it away. If you're going to be first, you're going to have to be last. If you're going to be great, you're going to have to be like a criminal and be the least. And yet we leave this behind like we're too smart for that. Let me tell you, you want to get smart in your spiritual life, you return to the cross daily. Take up that cross, and it'll help you forgive. It will help you to deny yourself. When I think of who I am in light of what he has done, it causes me to live a different way. May we be people of the cross. He offered continual forgiveness. Have you ever thought about this? He was offering forgiveness in the midst of the crime. His, his forgiveness was immediate. 
how different this is than most of us. I will forgive when I'm ready. Well, I know i got to forgive, but just not now. Let me have my time. Well, you're just going to have to give me some time. I'll get there, but I'm just not there. You know, we, I understand when people say this, but we have to realize this is not like Jesus. Being conformed to the image of Christ means that forgiveness has to get quicker in your life. If point A is the moment you're offended and point B is the moment you forgive, spiritual maturity is the length of time in between. You want to know if you're a spiritual baby or, a, or growing spiritually? How long does it take you to get to the place where you say, I know I have to forgive as Jesus has forgiven me, and I will forgive. What about you? If somebody does something minor in your life, your spouse is inconsiderate, a friend stands you up for an appointment, do you sulk? Do you give them the silent treatment? Do you need to teach them a lesson? Or are you quick to forgive? And even in major things, if somebody hurts you or stole from you or betrayed you, do you carry the bitterness or do you immediately seek to resolve it with forgiveness? And you might say, that's Jesus, that's not me. I want to tell you, Jesus' followers have done this. I love in Acts chapter 7, Stephen stands up and he preaches the gospel of Jesus. And as Stephen preaches, the religious leaders are angry and they start throwing rocks at him and stone him and he falls to his knees and he's getting ready to die and he cries out with a loud voice he doesn't say god send down lightning on these folks who are making my life bad god how dare they hurt me in this way for your glory no he says god would you not hold their sin against them it is possible as we grow in christ back to jesus his forgiveness was continual and immediate but it went farther than that Jesus' forgiveness was premeditated. We never put those words together, do we? Premeditated forgiveness. We put that premeditated murder, premeditated crime. But Jesus had already made his mind up that, that he would forgive us before he left heaven. He knew he was going to the cross. Is there a soul here who thinks that that caught him off guard? He knew what was going on. He knew uh, Judas would betray him. He knew uh, Peter would deny him. He knew. And I tell you what, I, I love the thought that Jesus forgave me of my sin before I saved, but I want to tell you what gets me to shouting ground. It's when I start thinking about he knew what I'd be like after he picked me up and dusted me off. And yet he still loves. Isn't that amazing? He knew the thoughts I would have. He, would knew the, he knew the way I would be harsh sometimes with my kids and know I'm wrong. He knew that I would have feet of clay. He knew all of the inconsistencies about me, and yet he loved me. Even though he knew me, yet ere he loved me. Praise the Lord. And he did that for you too. For those of you who beat yourself up, Oh, God, I'm not good enough. I heard this week somebody say, you know, when I get good enough, I'm going to get baptized. You'll never get there. You'll go to heaven drier than a bone. Because you're never going to get there. Listen, you'll never be good enough to earn God's love. And here's the strange thing. You will find yourself being bad enough for, for you to think God should never love me. That's where I live sometimes. But then he reminds me, Nick, I, I loved you before I saved you and I knew what you were going to be like 
and I still loved you. And I love that. Now, you, you might say, well, what's that have to do with us? Well, I think it has a lot to do with us. Jesus made his mind up that he was going to live forgiveness regardless of what happened to him. Uh, people are going to let you down. The people you love most might let you down. The people who you thought would never let you down might let you down. Would you give them the grace that you ask for yourself? He loved me even though I am like I am. That's premeditated there. I'm going to love people even though I know what they might do to me. I, I was told the earlier service, y'all know, I think y'all know this, I think I've preached two sermons I haven't preached anywhere else here. I've been here like 12 weeks. Most of the time I kind of rework what I think will be right for y'all. Well, this week was no exception. I was reworking what I thought would be right, but this came to my mind as I was thinking about studying and preparing for y'all. Did you notice in Luke that his forgiveness didn't change his circumstances? He still died. You would expect, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Angels, whoop! That's what you'd expect. Get him off there. But his circumstances didn't change. Guys, you might get to the place of forgiving your drunk father. And he might still be a drunk. And you might get to the place where you forgive that co-worker who lied about your lied about you to the boss and they might not make it right and you might forgive that spouse who cheated and they might continue to go down the wrong path and you had to get divorced so what do you do quit forgiving forgiveness cannot be outcome oriented People might not respond the way we want. But you know what happens when we forgive? God works in us and he enables us to love anyway. Now you might say, well, that, what good's that do? My situation didn't turn out. Well, let me ask you the question. What's bothering you, the situation or the pain that the situation's causing you? What's bothering me, the fact that I got a cracked tooth or the fact that the cracked tooth is killing me? It's the pain that it's causing. Here's the good news about forgiveness. When you forgive, the outcome might not change, but the way your heart feels is different. When you can l love people the way God loved you, and when you cannot bring up something in the past that's not making your situation better, it's just making you bitter, when you can let that go, all of a sudden, God begins to work in you. And I guarantee you this, God will use your forgiveness 
I pray for you if you've got a wrong with a person who is wrong, or a problem with someone who has wronged you. I pray that God works it out the way you want. If he does, hallelujah. If he doesn't, I guarantee you God will use how you forgive to affect somebody. Guarantee it. One thief mocks Jesus. And in fact, let's go, let's go back to this, guys. I didn't show you these verses. If we could go back to Luke 23, here's what's happening on the cross. The people stood by watching, and the ruler scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Why can't he save himself? <laughs> You're the Christ, the chosen one. Do something. The, the soldiers, they're mocking him, too. He's saying, forgive them, and they're still mocking him. Even the thief being crucified next to him, listen to what he says in the next verse. If you're the Christ, save us. We get it. But then, do you remember the other guy that was on the other side? He said, God, Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. His forgiveness didn't affect everybody, but it affected somebody. And the Roman centurion who stood there as on guard, he says, truly, this is the Son of God. Guys, your forgiveness will make a difference in you and in others. I told you about the one lady who obviously hadn't got to the place of forgiveness yet. Doesn't even understand forgiveness. Let me tell you about another lady in my former church. She was a, a dear friend. She was there when I arrived at Edgewood, I guess now 16 years ago now, 15 years ago now. I was her pastor for about 14 years. She taught Sunday school, led worship, sang solos, Love Jesus type of lady. Y'all know those type I'm talking about. Her husband, whom she had been married to for 30 years and had three kids with, was unfaithful. While I was there, she forgave him and stayed with him. Three years passed. Things were kind of okay. Looked to me like he kind of just showed up at church to make her happy. Y'all know, I mean, I hate to say I can kind of tell that, but I can kind of tell that, you know, when a wife's just there and doesn't want to be, a husband's just there, doesn't want to be, you can tell. Three years go by, and she finds out he's had another affair. She's devastated, and she realizes that divorce is her only option. It's what she needs to do. Almost immediately... She refuses to talk bad about him. And she only speaks good about him. She extends grace to him that I can't even understand completely. She invites him because they have three children. The youngest was 18 when they would have family gatherings and the grandkids would come. Guess who was one of the first to receive an invite to sit? The husband. And then after he remarried, another lady... That lady was invited, too, to this lady's home. 
For about six or seven years, she did nothing but show grace after grace after grace to this situation. The Lord blessed her with a man whose wife had passed away, and they remarried uh, after about five or six years of being single. And uh, her husband, first husband, was killed. And guess who was the first person to take this other lady in who was from out of town, who didn't have anybody, and love on them and treat them with the love of Christ? This lady who had been wronged. I went to her. I guess this had been three, a couple of years ago now, and I went to her and I said, how in the world have you done this? I mean, I'm watching. I know what's going on. How are you doing this? And she said, oh, Nick. I've got to forgive. Jesus lives in me. I've got to forgive. How about you? Would you allow the Jesus that lives in you to drive you to forgive even when you're wronged? Haven't you met that person who's able to love people who are real mess-ups? Who've hurt them bad? What does it? I believe it's Jesus living in us. Why do you think tax collectors and sinners were drawn to Jesus? Because forgiveness was offered. Not, uh, he didn't condone their sin. But he didn't condemn them either. He loved them as we must. Now guys, I'm going to give you all three points and I ask you to do something. I hate to put these last three points up here because I know what's going to happen. You're going to start putting your stuff up and get ready for lunch. <laughs> That's way too true. <laughs> I'd like for you to do this for me. Your papers will go in your books and in your Bibles and in your purse in 10 seconds after we're done with service. Okay? Don't be a distraction to somebody else because I want them to hear from the Spirit this morning. Who in your life do you need to forgive? A kid who's wronged you? A parent who's been abusive? A spouse, a co-worker, a classmate, an ex. What steps do you need to take in order to reflect Jesus? And then do you have a premeditated forgiveness mindset? Are you willing to forgive people because you know they're going to wrong you? It's going to happen. Will you forgive? People in your life are not perfect. They are just like you. They have feet of clay. If Jesus forgave you the way you forgave, forgive others, would that be okay with you? Colossians 3. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other just as the Lord has forgiven you. Let's pray. Father, I ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us in this time. 
Jesus, you took our forgiving spirit so seriously. Lord, help us to take it just as seriously. Even when you taught us to pray, Lord, you taught us to ask you to forgive us our debts, our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Father, I pray. I pray, Lord, that you would give us the spirit of Jesus and help us to forgive. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. For just a second, we're going to have a time of invitation. And we're going to do things a little different this morning. I, we're, going to, we're going to stand in just a second. And, and I'm going to ask the musicians to play. And just for a couple of minutes, we're just going to play and uh, let you have time to respond. And then we'll sing and we'll celebrate that, that we do believe that good overcomes evil and not evil overcomes good and that, that our God can change our city and our world if we will love like Christ. But uh, some of you probably need to do some business with God. And so maybe today if you want to come to the altar and pray, you can. Maybe you just need to do business with God where you're at. And I'm not trying to get an outward response if God wants you to do business right where you are. You know, maybe you want to come and, 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 and take communion, just reminding you how the Lord has forgiven you. And Lord, give me that spirit to forgive others. Maybe you'd like somebody to pray with you. Me or another deacon or someone would be glad to pray with you. Um, if you'd like to know more about being baptized, like we talked about last week, or joining the church, we can do that too. Just come see me. But if God is speaking to you and you need to respond, we're just going to give you a couple minutes of quiet. Let's stand with every head bowed and every eye closed. And just for a couple minutes, let's give people time to do business with God. If you need to come, you can come right now. If you need to come. If you'd like somebody to pray with you, there's people who could do that. You want to come to the altar and ask God to help you get rid of some bitterness? You can come. If you want to take communion, you can come. You can come right now.